0: Good morning you guys, we are so glad you are here and we're so excited to worship with you this morning. Um, We have a lot of exciting things launching this fall. So as you guys stand up and prepare for worship, would you just say good morning to someone next to you and ask them how they are gonna get connected this fall.
1: God against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress. You go before us. Nothing
2: the glory. God, you deserve our hearts as well. And so this morning, God, we just want to pause for a moment. God, we just pray that in this moment, God, we would remember how awesome you are, how great your love is, how passionate you are for your people, Lord. How jealous you are, Lord. How just you are. May we remember, Lord, all of these things and so many more. The attributes of your character. This is who we worship, Lord. The God who is worthy of praise. So Lord, we just submit to you this morning as we continue in our time of worship, we pray that you would bind us together in love and in faith that you will do even more, Lord, than you've already done in our midst. You are worthy of it all, God. So church, let's just take a moment and we're gonna read through the Lord's prayer together. God, bind us in unity. May we we just believe these words and this prayer that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, taught us to pray. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God, would you just bind our hearts with that prayer? God, help us to be forgivers. God, help us to be worshipers of the one true God. We do pray, Lord, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever it may be, God, we just submit to you and your plan for us even now, God just declare that chorus one more time speak to who he is tell him he's worthy cause you are worthy of
1: it all you are worthy of it all For from you are all things and to you Deserve the glory one more time you are worthy you are worthy of it all you are worthy of it all for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the Oh store
2: heart right now. In your heart right now, just tell him how much you love him. Tell him how great he is. Focus on him and see the beauty of the face of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. worship this morning, God, we just declare greater you, Lord, in our hearts and in our minds, God. Continue to disciple this service this morning, disciple us, make us image bearers of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
0: Good morning. We... I'm going to invite the ushers forward before I forget to receive our offering this morning. Um, We love this season. It comes with a little bit of chaos as everything is getting back to normal. Um, We have all of our events happening. Kids are back in school. The season is starting to change. There's not as many visitors to the Central Coast all the time. So we're kind of getting back in our regular groove. Um, Part of that is, this past Sunday, we had our women's gathering, Um, so we had about 100 women come and be able to fellowship together, get to know each other, Um, we had a meal, we have some very talented axe-throwing women in this church, in case you didn't know, I would love to say that everybody was great at it, and they all hit the targets, Um, That would not be honest, but we do have some talented axe throwers, so we had a lot of fun Sunday night. Next Sunday, the 10th, the men have their turn, and we decided to have just a tiny competition. Elena is one of the co-leaders with me for women's ministry, and her husband, Jared, helps lead the men's ministry, So we have a little competition between them. We're going to see if the men can have 100 men come to their gathering. So next Sunday, try to come if you're available Sunday evening to have a meal. I don't know if you guys are doing axe throwing or not, but next Sunday night will be your turn to have some fun together. So we just enjoy these times to be able to fellowship. And then the week of September 14th, nope, what's the Monday? September 11th, just kidding. The week of September 11th, all of our kind of regular classes and ministries are kicking off. So women have uh, moms and mentors, Tuesday mornings, Thursday evening and Thursday morning, we have Bible studies for ladies, and then the men are also having a Bible study on Thursday evening. So... Lots of different opportunities. If you are somewhat new to New Life, this is the perfect chance for you to find something and kind of start fresh with that group. We also have mentoring for men and women, which you can sign up for anytime to ask for a mentor or to ask to be a mentor. So we're always happy to have more people want to join us in discipling together and having that time. So whatever sounds best to you, we just want you to be able to find a home here and somewhere for you to belong and that is our our hope for you so come find us at any of the connection counters there's two inside one on the patio we can help get you signed up for any of those things answer questions um, and we just are happy faces that would love to say hi and talk to you so we're going to watch a short video as we transition to the message
2: this is my command be strong and courageous do not be afraid or discouraged for the lord your god is with you wherever you go these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of israel forever today you will know that the living god is among you he did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the lord your god forever
3: well good morning new life It is good to be in the house of the Lord, it's good to worship together, it's good to gather together, it's good to know that we are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to worship and praise the name of Jesus, amen? Amen. And uh, man, it's so good to be with you again, I've been here, but I haven't been here And, uh, you know, I'm so grateful that, again, uh, we were talking about it with a couple of people before service, that it's so awesome to be able to hear how God is speaking through, not just uh, when he speaks through me, but he speaks through all of our staff members. And, uh, and I love when, when we have an opportunity to hear what the Lord wants to speak through them and the message that he has for them. Now, I thought about it, but um, I'm old. And so I thought about coming out here and trying to jump up on this thing. And if you weren't here last week, go watch the video. But I was like, man, it would be so awkward. It would be like, it would take me five minutes to get down. But, you know, it it is so good to hear how the Lord is moving and how he is speaking through his people. Amen. And let me remind you of this. This is so important because I've been listening to some of you. The Lord is not just speaking through the people that stand on this platform. The Lord is speaking through every single person. In fact, let me say this this morning, that we here at New Life do not want to be known for our pastors. We want to be known for our Holy Spirit-empowered people, amen? amen. And so when people see people from New Life, we want them to, to be like, man, that, that person reflects Jesus. That person is speaking Jesus. That person is growing in Jesus. That's what we want to be known for because that's what it truly means to be fully alive, Amen. All right, so here we go. We're going to give you. I'm going to give you some context this morning because some of you haven't been able to be with us during this series, and I want to remind you. Uh, we've been in the book of Joshua. We're in Joshua chapters one, two, three, and four, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of conclude today with four. But in Joshua uh, chapter uh, one, we get a little bit of context of what is happening. Um, you got to remember that. That there was a few small miracles that people, uh, that this generation had experienced, a a few small victories that this generation had experienced uh, as they come to the River Jordan. But the reality is, is that most of this generation, all they know is wandering. Some of you are like, that resonates with you, right? Right? Like, you've seen a couple of victories in your life, but most of what you have known is wandering. Most of what you've known is just kind of meandering and wandering and trying to figure things out. And so for this generation that we're reading about, they have been wandering in the desert and they approach the River Jordan at flood stage. That means it's raging. That means that uh, similar to if you were able to go to Yosemite uh, during uh, the kind of like the April and May time frame, man, the rivers were rushing and the waterfalls were coming over and they even had to close down some of the trails. You weren't able to hike on all of them. So, so the, the, the river's at flood stage and the people of Israel come to its banks and God gives Joshua instructions to give to the priests, and the priests carry out the Ark of the Covenant into the River Jordan. Now, the the river doesn't split before they get into the water. They have to get into the water before it splits. And here's something that's fascinating that maybe you don't always think about, that God is going to be faithful, but he always invites us, uh, and we'll talk about this even more in a moment, he invites us to be obedient in his faithfulness. He calls us to act in his faithfulness, to be a part, to participate in his faithfulness. And so they step out into the water with the Ark of the Covenant. God goes before the people of Israel. If you're not familiar why I might say it like that, the Ark of the Covenant at this point in the story of God in scripture is where, is where the presence of God resides. And so that is, just a symbol of God going before Aren't we thankful that God goes before us? And so we, they step out into the water, and when they step into the water, the, the rushing river, flood stage, waters, recedes, and the people of Israel walk across the Jordan on dry ground. So I want you to do me, do me a favor, and I want you to stand with me today. We're in Joshua chapter 4, starting at Verse 1. Let me read these words. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, Take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. And so Joshua called together. The 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word today, God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see what you want us to see. I pray, God, that you would tune our ears to your voice. I pray, God, that you would give us the willingness to surrender and to allow your Holy Spirit to convict and correct and encourage and inspire. I pray, God, that we would build deeper roots today. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. All right, have a seat, have a seat. So, there's some patterns that you want to notice when you have scripture. There's some things that happen consistently, not only in the Old Testament, but the New Testament. It happens throughout the various books of the Bible. And so there's certain patterns in Scripture to take notice of. And we see some of those patterns specifically in the book of Joshua and also just within this passage. There's consistent characteristics of the people of God when they are in right relationship with God. And one of the things that happens when people are in right relationship with God is there is obedience. That God is going to be faithful. We know this, but the people of God are not always faithful. But when things are going well, when they are hearing from God, when they are moving in step with the Spirit, when they are walking in the ways of God, that they are obedient. And so God wants to invite his people to be a part of his faithfulness. But when he invites you to be a part of his faithfulness, in order to experience it, for all that his faithfulness is, you need to be obedient to what he's calling you to. You can't step back and say, God, I want you to be faithful, but I'm going to do my own thing. God, I want you to be faithful in my marriage, but I'm going to live marriage like the world lives marriage. God, I want you to be faithful in my singleness, but I'm going to live singleness like, like the world lives singleness. God, I want you to be faithful in my life, but I'm going to live my life like the world lives your life. No, that's not how it works. God, God will be faithful. But in order to experience the fullness of his faithfulness, he calls us to obedience. And how do we know that God takes obedience so seriously? Because Moses is not crossing the Jordan right now. And if you go back to the book of Numbers chapter 20 and you read the story of Moses, Moses was obedient in so many ways and so like consistently obedient until he wasn't. And God told him to speak to a rock and that water would flow from it. And Moses chose not to speak to the rock, he struck the rock. And God was still faithful even in his brokenness. Even in his disobedience of what God had commanded, God was still faithful and brought forth water. But there was consequences for Moses' disobedience. You're like, "Wow, that seems intense. Moses isn't going to be able to cross in the Jordan because he was disobedient in this one particular area. Well, what happens when the people think that Moses is the one where these miracles are coming from rather than God? What happens when they start following the person rather than following God? And can I tell you something, church? Within our Christian, Western-specific culture of Christianity that there's a whole lot of people that follow the person who's following God rather than following God. There's a whole lot of people that in your story, you're like, man, it is the person that has had an impact on my life rather than the Holy Spirit having impact on my life. And so it's significant. We, we look at it and we're like, yeah, but look at all what he's done. Look at all the times that he was obedient. In order to experience the fullness of what God wants to do in us, our life, he calls us to obedience. The second characteristic that we see happening, again, this is a pattern. This is not just in this story, but it's a pattern throughout Scripture, is that there's a physical intentionality when God calls his people to do something. There always seems to be this physical nature. In fact, Pastor Nick and Travis Avila talked about this uh, this past Wednesday, at last Wednesday, when they talked about worship, that there's a physical nature. We are a physical people We lay hands on people when we pray for them. We anoint them with oil. We bow down and we worship. We lift up our hands. We do all of these things. In fact, I would say it's one of the reasons why music is such a controversial conversation around the church. Because music, while you might not think of it this way, is a physical participation, your ears are resonating with a song and they're resonating with the words. And most of you, when you think of the song that brings you to tears, when you think of the song that gives you goosebumps, when you get, think of the song where where you just go, it stirs something in you, you probably weren't just listening, you were singing and you probably weren't just singing. You might have been at an altar of prayer or you might have been raising your hands or you might have been gathered with people. In fact, there's a song that, that I remember singing uh, throughout my college years and I remember the numerous times that when it was played, we would be gathered together and then specifically one night, uh, we had been praying for hours. We had these like Sunday night worship times. And we had been praying for hours on the Sunday. What, what was supposed to last an hour went into later into the night. And I remember somebody singing this song. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship Soul, rejoice. Now that's like an old school song, like old school chorus. But when we sing that song, I remember it takes me back to where I was, and my hands were raised, and we were gathered together. We've been seeking God for hours that evening, and we were tears were coming down our faces, and we just wanted more of the presence of God and more of His love. There is a physical nature and a physical intentionality that God calls us to, that all of a sudden cements a spiritual reality. A memory, a remembrance, a sign. And so in this particular moment... God instructs the priest to go and take stones from the middle of the river and place them on his shoulder. I had never, never caught that before. See, I thought, and, and again, uh, you know, we only had so many large stones laying around our campus, so I, but, but I thought, like, you know, like, did they just like walk over and be like, oh, here, yeah, this one looks good, right? But then I read the text and it's like, no, they placed it on the shoulder. And like, Ain't nobody doing this, <laughs> right? I mean, maybe the skinny jeans worship leader, but you know, no offense, no offense, no offense. But seriously, there ain't nobody doing this. He said, go and grab stones and place them on their shoulder. So so in my mind, they're going over to the middle of this river and they're grabbing some stones and they're getting the big ones and they're putting them up here, right? Now listen. Eight miles till Gilgal. Eight miles till Gilgal. That's where they were encamping. That's where they were going to build the stones. That's where they were going to put these stones as a remembrance, as a re- memorial to what God was doing. So this was not an easy task. This was to build into them the memory of what God Had done. The third area, remembering God's faithfulness. Obedience. Physical intentionality. To remember, not their obedience, but to remember God's faithfulness. When you think about the word remembrance, when you think about the word memorial, or maybe even this way, when you get together with your friends, what do you remember? What are the things that you remember? Like, when you go to your high school reunion, what are the things that you remember? When you get together with the family during holidays, what are the things that you remember? When you get together with your friends for dinner or some drinks, what are the things that you remember? I have a little bit of an assumption because I know the tendency that I have. When you get together with the old crowd, when you get together with the the people, what you tend to remember or what you tend to articulate are your successes. Like, like when I get together and, 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 or I talk about football from high school, you know what I talk about? I talk about the fact that, man, in this, in this one game I got to smack the quarterback and pick up the ball and run for a touchdown. And it was awesome and it was good. My football career peaked in high school. <laughs> but that's what we remember, right? Those of you that are retired, what do you remember? Do you remember that when you were the CEO, do you remember that when you had the success, when you were pulling in the the money, when you were being the one that everybody was going to as a decision maker? When you're somebody who is in college right now, do you remember what it was like to be in high school? Do you remember the, the partying and the, and the laughing and all this kind of stuff? What do you remember? I mean, it's why we put Facebook memories or, or social media memories like pop up and they want us to like kind of redistribute a reel. They want us to remember these sig- significant accomplishments and successes that we have. It's why we have plaques. I have a t shirt from college. I'm oh, sorry, not even that, 1999. Beach volleyball champion. (laughs) I still put that thing on. Beach volleyball champion. What do we remember? God actually doesn't call us. Look throughout scripture. He does not call us to, to keep track of any of our successes, He does not call us to boast on any of our successes. Does that mean it's sinful or bad to talk about, you know, things that were fun in the past? No, that's not what I'm saying. But are you keeping track of God's faithfulness with a more intense rate than you keep track of your own successes? Heck, I, I keep track. My wife went away for a couple days. I keep track of, like, when she gets home, like, I did the dishes. I did laundry. I did, like, That's how my brain works. And what's crazy is when you start keeping track of God's faithfulness, what you will begin to recognize is the very things that were once obstacles in your life all of a sudden become a memorial or remembrance for stacking stones. And you begin to see God's faithfulness in your life and you begin to recount God's faithfulness in your life. And the reason it's important to recount his faithfulness and the reason it's important to be intentional about this is because we are people who quickly forget. Like literally, I am of the age, I'm at that point in my life where I walk into the kitchen and I go, why am I here? Right? Like, like that's how quickly for- we forget things. We have these memory blocks. And what's interesting is it was 600 years of this promise in the making, 600 years between the promise of, to Abraham and what's happening right now. And all of a sudden you're going, man, this is a long time. Like how in the world could these people forget so quickly? Like why would they be actually susceptible to this? But, but let me push back a little bit. Some of you have had an encounter with God on Sunday, or some of you have had an encounter with God at a marriage retreat, or some of you have had an encounter with God when, when, you, uh, when you went to uh, uh, a prayer retreat or something of that nature, and you literally had that encounter on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and on Monday you forgot about it. On Monday you forgot about it. You had an encounter with God on an all worship night, and you were like, "Woo! My life is surrendered." And you walked out, and you went back to living as a slave. See, God knows something. And Pastor Philip and Pastor Elena alluded to it. The greatest obstacle for these individuals wasn't the Jordan; it was themselves. It was their hearts it was their wanting their way over and above God's way and we know this is going to be true because the reason we forget God actually preempts this he knows that his that these people are going to forget his ways if you have your Bibles and you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 starting at verse 10 Deuteronomy chapter 8 starting at verse 10 it says this He's talk, got, the Lord is talking about uh, how they're gonna cross into this promised land It says, when you have, once you do that and when you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord, because again, we're, they're entering into a land flowing with milk and honey, right? They're entering a land that's prosperous. They're entering in a land where they're gonna fill their bellies after they've been wandering for 40 years. And when you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is, But that is the time to be careful. Don't miss that. When you are on the mountaintop, when you are in a season where there doesn't seem to be any attack of the enemy, when there doesn't seem to be anything that's really going wrong, that is the time to be careful, beware That in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you out of slavery and the land of Egypt. And can I tell you something, church? This happens all the time you pray for the job or you pray for the family or you pray to get into the college or you pray for God's faithfulness in your life and it happens and then about three weeks later you forget about it you forget you pray God will you save me from my sins then you forget because things get comfortable make it easy and you walk in that comfort and you walk in distractions or things that would take you further away from your attention to god when 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 all hell is breaking loose in your life you better believe you're looking for wherever god is in your life but when things are comfortable when things are comfortable And what can even happen is that the only generation that knows pain, the only generation that knows the frustration of sin is the former generation. And the new generation is living on the the faith comfort of the former generation. And so they never actually make their faith a faith of their own. Each generation must tune their lives to the voice of God. Each generation must dial in their lives to the voice of God. Again, some of us are like, wow, look at how Joshua was obedient to what God was saying. And again, he was obedient And the people of Israel in this moment were obedient, but the reason they were obedient is because they were tuned in to the voice of God. They were listening to the voice of God. They were watching and waiting upon the Lord. They were spending time in the Lord's presence. And I have a fear sometimes that we want, again, God's faithfulness without being in his presence. We want God's faithfulness without listening to his voice. We want God's faithfulness without actually walking in obedience. The other thing that God is aware of is that when you cross into this land, you are going to have comfort. And when you cross into this land, there's going to be distractions of comfort. But when you cross in this land, there also are going to be initially other gods and other idols. And so again, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter seven, God's very specific. He said, drive out, do not let anybody stay. In fact, it's one of those moments within the Old Testament that we wrestle with. We're gonna be talking about this a little bit in this next series that we wrestle with these moments where all of a sudden the people of God slaughter everybody and then they tear down all the Asher poles and they they break down and they burn all the temples that were for other gods. And in their place, they stack stones to God's faithfulness. And here's what we do so many times. We never tear down the altars built to our success and we never stack stones to God's faithfulness. And so all around us, we have altars built to our success. And all around us, we have altars built to who we think we are and how great we think we are. And so who do we worship? Me. Where do my affections go? Well, what feels good to me? What do I want to do? You do you, I'll do me. That's our culture. Rather than building and stacking stones to God's faithfulness. So we remember who he is and what he has done. It says these stones will be a memorial in the original Hebrew that word memorial is actually the word sign, which I like a lot better because memorial sounds like you go and you just sit down and you just remember what has done. Signs point you towards something. So there's a remembering that takes place when you see a sign or a symbol, but then there's a um, propelling forward. It's a reminding yourself of what God has done, but it's a moving forward to what God is going to do. And again, older generation. I want us to be careful here because we fall into this trap where we memorialize the past, the good old days, how things used to be. And when we do that, we really handcuff the next generation from experiencing God themselves. What we want to do is say, this is how God moved in our generation. Well, well, how did he move in that generation? Because we spent time in his presence, because we were obedient to his ways, and we followed after him. That's what we're trying to pass Not what happened, but why it happened. So that the next generation can then chase after God and, and spend time in His presence and follow Him in obedience and experience the mighty acts of God in their generation. We're not trying to live in the past, we're trying to point people to the fact that God is still faithful and He will be faithful. In the future. If you go back to the text, it says, In the future, your children will ask you, What do these stones mean? Verse 7. Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan's river stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Turn to somebody near you and say, What does it mean? You've got to remember, this is a storytelling people. We like to be a fact telling people. And facts are good, facts are friends. But we need to be a better storytelling people. Because stories inspire. And stories help build a picture and and a narrative of what life can look like and be. And not only do we need to tell the story of God's faithfulness, but can I tell you, church, the next generation and your kids, and, and hear me, I get it, within reason, they need to hear the story of your mess. Because when we just tell them the story of God's faithfulness, it, it, I, ha- I heard someone say this the other day. Uh, they, they got married and they were in their first week of marriage. And again, I'm not knocking anybody's parenting philosophy or anything. Please don't send me emails. But like they, they, said, they said they had never heard their parents fight. So the very first time that they fought with their spouse, they were like, oh, are we gonna, like, are we done? I'll tell you what. My kids have heard my wife and I <laughs> have some, Uh, Intense discussions. (laughs) But they've also seen us forgive one another and reconcile and renew. And after having some heated discussion, grab each other's hands and hold each other's hand. See, when you're stacking stones, you gotta... Stack stones that not only tell of God's faithfulness, but the messiness of how God's faithfulness moved in your midst and in that, t- in that season. And so I wonder, we don't really hear, uh, but we do see several times where they say, hey, tell the story of how, how um, God led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Tell the story about how they crossed. And, and, and I'm assuming that part of the telling of that story is the fact that they were also a stiff-necked people, I'm assuming that part of telling that story was the fact that 12 spies went in, but only Joshua and Caleb wanted to go back. Everybody else was like, no. I'm assuming, because we tell it, that we don't just tell the story of Pentecost and Peter, but we tell the story of Peter failing three times and denying Jesus. And yet God still used him. See, I've learned, and again, age appropriate as they've gotten older, they have learned more about pre-Jesus David. And not as a celebration. That's a way of saying I used to be like this, but the Lord did something in me. The Lord has done something in me. Do you have stones that you're stacking for the next generation of God's faithfulness? So I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about my own story, and I thought, man, 1997. I'm in a revival service at Mount Vernon Nazarene College at the time, University Now. And I'm just still like I'm a little bit Jesus, but I'm in and out and in and out, and I'm telling people that I'm kind of starting to follow Jesus, but I'm still, you know, doing my own thing on the weekends and going down to Ohio State's campus and and all and just doing whatever David still wants to do. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in this. And this, what they call revivals back in the day, these these kind of uh, in, in, special services that they would host throughout the week. And I'm sitting and I'm listening to this preacher and all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit came upon me and rested upon me and said, David, stop kind of playing games. Stop doing your own thing. And I just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I went down to an altar of prayer and I repented of my sins. And I said, God, I'm not playing the game. I'm not just using your forgiveness. I want you to wash me white as snow. No, yes. and I stacked a stone I stacked a stone later that summer I went to a church in West Virginia now if you know anything about West Virginia I was like hey they gonna have snakes there or something like that <laughs> and I go to this church it was a charismatic church and I'd seen people raise their hands and stuff And maybe say hallelujah every now and then. But most people were just one hand raisers. And at this church, not only were they hand raisers, they were dancers. (laughs) And and I saw the Holy Spirit transforming not only their lives, but I I saw the Holy Spirit moving. And, And for the very first time, I was with a group of people that we prayed for someone and they experienced healing. And we prayed for somebody and they were set free from addiction. Now, I know that, that the stories vary of how God heals and restores people. But man, these were like, these were like, like immediate healings. I had never seen that before. I've seen progressive like, people grow in their faith. But i would never seen just like literally somebody using an addicted one day and set free the next. So I stacked a stone. So this is the type of God that that I serve. Which is really important because in 2007, I had one boy who was having brain surgery and one boy who had Kawasaki's disease and my wife was on bed rest. And I needed to walk past that healing stone and remind myself of God's faithfulness. And pray with people. And Xavier came through surgery. And Drew was healed from the Kalasakis, And Allison and Mel was born. And it was good. And we stacked stones. And celebrated God's faithfulness. But in 2015, when I was sitting at the Stones that reminded of me of God's healing. I was in a hospital room with my wife's dad. Who had cancer and was dying way earlier than any of us thought. I'm like, God, he's not gonna, he's not gonna be here to see my kids grow up, and he's not gonna he's their biggest cheerleader at their sports games and he's not gonna see my girls walk down an aisle and this just isn't fair, God. You're a God of healing. That's what you told me. Like, that's what I've experienced. And they took him home for hospice and the church showed up and they were praying and everybody was praying for healing and restoration to the last, the last breath he took. And he wasn't healed in this life. He's, he's dancing the streets of gold, but he wasn't healed in this life. And yet... I saw God's faithfulness as he strengthened our family and strengthened the church and helped us to continue to walk and to help my mother-in-law discover what a new normal looked like. And so I stacked stones. Stones that said, sometimes I don't understand you, God, and sometimes I don't understand. But God, I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to be obedient. I'm still going to walk in your ways. when I said yes to coming here, it made no sense. Moving from the Midwest, so much going on, but the Lord specifically spoke and he said, I will, I need you to be obedient. I will be faithful. And two years into it, COVID hits and I'm like, God, I thought you said you were going to be faithful. <laughs> this is the, this is the hardest season of ministry new church they don't know me I don't know them and COVID and everything else and God I'm just trying to listen to you and follow you and people are people are getting sick and 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 God I I want to just listen into you I don't want to listen to every everything else And, and we continue to walk forward and all of a sudden we we again we see God's faithfulness and He strengthened us and it's a weird and odd and unique and yet kind of sweet season of ministry to get back to our roots and we stack some stones stack some stones say God I don't get all that stuff that happened I don't understand it all but I know you were faithful I know that I want to continue to follow you what are the stones that you have stacked to tell the other generation when they look at you and say mom dad Papa, Nana, why do we pray? What do you tell them? Well, the older generation before us prayed. Or do you tell them a way that you want to spend time in the Lord's presence? Mom, Dad, Papa, Nana, why why are we generous? Why do we forgive? Why do we gather as the people of God? Well, you know, there was a time Or gathering wasn't as easy. And we chose to still gather. Mama, daddy, nana, papa, why do you love Jesus? Why do you follow Him? Why, when everybody else's life looks like this, ours looks like this? Why, when everybody else talks about this topic, in this way, we talk about it like this. Why? Have you stacked stones? Do you have an altar built that says, This is why? This is why we walk in God's ways. What stones are you stacking? Verse 8, so the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each tribe just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them to the place where they had camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Again, I mentioned that's in Gilgal about eight miles away. And Joshua also set up another pile of stones. This is interesting. Joshua also set up another pile of, of, of twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are still there to this day. So there's this there's stones that are stacked for the community to remember, but there's also a stone. It's almost like, it's almost like when David says, hey, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to worship if it doesn't cost me something. It, it feels similar to that where Joshua was saying, I need to stack an altar of worship that isn't about Israel, but it's just, you know, it's in my prayer closet. It's, it, it's me and God. It's me offering that worship. Because when I look at those stacked stones, I'm reminded that I'm not a slave anymore. I'm reminded of what Jesus has done in me. I'm reminded that Egypt, or whatever your Egypt is, is not my home anymore. It's an act of almost private worship. Me and God. Stacking stones. Now, I get it. We, No offense to our young people, but we do make fun of the trophy generation for needing a trophy for everything. Right? And yet, I think that's how we should be as believers. We should stack stones for everything. Like, we should literally, like, like you just see the Lord. Like, sometimes I'm like, you get a parking space and everything's crowded and you're like, hey, Lord, I'm stacking a stone for you right here. I know you think I'm being facetious, but I'm like, literally, I think we should be the type of people that when we get together, when we gather together for lunch, and when we gather together with people, like the very first thing on our time, we're not like, what can I say about Jesus? Oh, in 1954, in 1976, in 1982. In 1999, no, 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 no. Like, earlier this morning. Earlier this morning, you should have seen what Jesus did. Yesterday, you should have seen what he did. On Monday, you should have seen what, on Tuesday, here's how he worked. On Wednesday, this is what happened. On Thursday, the Lord moved in a powerful way. On Friday, I was doubting, and I just kept on grinding, and I'm like, oh man, God, I don't really wanna follow you right now, but I followed him anyway. On Saturday, man, it was quiet. I didn't even I couldn't feel like a heard from it. But then on Sunday, I showed up even though he was quiet on Saturday. Should we be stacking stones in such a way that we can just recount and talk about the story of God? Stacking stones, stacking stones, stacking stones. See, the Lord knew that this was going to be challenging. He knew it was going to be challenging for his disciples. He knew it would be challenging for us. He knew that we would have a tendency to forget. He knew that we would have a tendency to get comfortable. He knew that we'd have a tendency to to look at our comfort and our successes and to turn our attention away from him. He knew that we would maybe get so comfortable that we would think, you know what, do I really need a savior? Do I really So on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and he broke it. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance, in memorial, as a sign, as a symbol of my forgiveness, as a reminder that it is only through my broken body. And my shed blood that you have been saved. But it's also a reminder that you get to walk in the victory of the cross and walk in the victory of the resurrection. This is my body which is broken for you. He passed the cup, said, take this cup. It's a reminder that no longer are we bound in the old covenant, but there is a new covenant that is made through my shed blood. Take and drink in remembrance of me. He says, whenever you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You remember the Lord's death, but you also proclaim and point the next generation. So when they say, why do we do this? It's so weird. We're saying we're eating somebody's body. It's odd. Let's just be honest. Yes? Yes? It is weird, little Johnny. But here's why we do it. Because in my life, I've learned that when I go my way, my life ends in destruction. And when I allow sin to direct my path, it not only damages me, but it damages all the people around me. And I've tried to do things my own way, and I've tried to save myself. And you know what, little Johnny? I can't do it. So, when I was 19, someone said, Yep, you can't do it, but there is one who you can place your faith in who can do it. And his name is Jesus. And so, there was a moment, little Johnny, where I bowed on my face and I said, God, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you redeem me? Would you wash me white as snow? You know what Jesus said? He said, yes. I've already paid the price. I've already done the work. So we remember the cross. And when we remember the cross, I remember that moment where I moved from death to life. I remember that moment where once I was blind, but now I see. I remember that moment where the chains fell off and I got to walk in the freedom of the forgiveness of Jesus. Little Johnny, that's why we do this. So the team is gonna sing and I'm gonna invite those that are gonna be assisting us to take their place at the various communion stations. In a moment, we're gonna ask you to dismiss yourselves. You're gonna come forward. You're gonna start from the front and move to the back. And when you come forward, you'll You'll take the elements but I want you to hold on to them until you get back to your seats and I want you to as you hold them I want you to stack some stones this morning I want you to remember God's faithfulness and I want you to remember his provision and I want you to remember your salvation and I want you to remember your baptism and I want you to remember those moments he was faithful even when you doubted and I want you to remember where he worked out all things for his glory and his goodness even though you had made a mess I want you to stack some stones this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us so much that you sent your one and only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins. God, this morning, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and encounter and have an encounter with us as we remember your faithfulness and your goodness. We ask these things in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.
1: I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful darkest nights You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful Just run. So so good with every breath that I am able Oh I will see of the goodness of God
3: his disciples and he asks us to remember this it is an act of obedience to what he has commanded and when we participate in the in the Eucharist and when we do this it's also something physical and it points towards God's faithfulness it's a stacking of stones so he took the bread and he broke it. He said, gave thanks and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Take and eat remember Christ's forgiveness for you and for me. After, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup represents the new covenant which will be made through my shed blood. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Take and drink and remembrance. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that we don't have to ask you to show up on a morning like this. We don't have to beg you to show up. God, you are already here. And so, God, I pray that our eyes have been open to your presence and our ears have been tuned to your voice. And I pray, God, that we have been corrected and convicted and inspired and encouraged as we have remembered Your faithfulness. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. God's people said. Would you stand with me this morning?
2: go. I just wanted to to say, moving forward, what are we going to do? What are our action steps? Look at the fully alive guide, male and female. We've got it all for you guys. If you want to get involved and take some steps toward discipleship, we really want to push that to you. We want to encourage you to take an opportunity just to say yes to whatever the Lord is prompting on your heart. So please look at your bulletins, look at those fully alive guides, check out something, pray about it and say, hey, Holy Spirit, I just invite you to make this decision for me. Where should I go next? What should I do next? How can I get involved serving or getting poured into whatever that looks like? Check that out. And if you're new with us, pizza with a pastor is something that we do here in our lobby. Um, So next week, it's the 10th of September. After second service, we would invite you to kind of hear the vision from Pastor David and other pastors here on staff about what we're doing in our community and how we're worshiping Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, okay? So as you go, let's open our hands and receive this benediction. May we be a people who would invite the Lord to tear down the altars that we've built for personal gain in our own stories? And would we instead be a people who would invite Holy Spirit to build a memorial, help us build a memorial of the things that he has done as we walk in his faithfulness? Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Grace and peace to you. will see you next week.